Hey, this is Mark. Uh, this episode of Twos and Threes was our first ever live recorded episode on the Locker Room app. Um, it's a cool new app designed for sports conversations, live sports conversations uh, that we recently found out about. There's a lot of fun people on there. Um, it's currently in beta, but anybody can get on through the Test Flight app. I've tweeted out a link to do it. Um, if you have questions, let me know. Uh, you can also look at Locker Room's uh, Twitter account, and they have instructions on how to do it. Uh, but a fun thing is anybody who's on the app can go on and, you know, comment in the middle of a conversation and submit questions. So there's a few of those in here. We didn't do a great job of making clear uh, when we were addressing them. Um, but anyways, this was live. It was fun. We'll probably do some more stuff on here. Um, so look forward to that. Yeah, enjoy. This is Twos and Threes. Okay, Doug. So here we are. We're we're doing our first live podcast on the locker room app. It's kind of fun. I know. I'm like kind of feeling like David Block in a sense, um, live podcasting post game or something like that. I don't, but we're live. It's true. We should have like a live video of you right now, sitting in front of your laptop, just going crazy, typing stuff, and fielding questions. Um, <laughs> but look, this is our playoff preview. This is the twos and threes Jazz playoff preview. Um, I'm stoked about it. And we finally made it here. Doug, our thing here is like, we're going to do, we each came and instead of our normal three segments, we each have three things that we're, that we're like most excited about this series. Right. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready for the hey, series. Man, well, can I give you the first one? All of these early morning games. Yeah. This is something awesome that I probably am already going to talk about. I mean, I think we might have some overlap here, but look, like the thing that makes me most excited about this is the Rudy versus Joker matchup. Um, that was definitely has to do with my first point, too. What, I want to hear what you have to say, though. Yeah, no, it's just this. Look, um, there's been a lot said about the Jazz tanking to get to this spot, right? Or, or trying um, as hard as they could to avoid Houston in the first round. And some people are upset about that. Some people, like, liked it and then were mad that we didn't, like, lose the last game and dropped three spots from 20th to 23rd in next year's draft against San Antonio. So some people, like, want to tank all the time. Um, but like for me, it's like, look, I, I thought this year would have been different a little bit against Houston. I still think they're the worst matchup for the Jazz in the first round, probably, except for maybe the Lakers. Um, but it was a different kind of thing. And, you know, there were reasons for optimism. But thank goodness we just don't have to watch that again. Right. I mean, I'm just like excited for a series where it's not like the narrative isn't like, is Rudy going to get played off the floor? Like, how are we scheming around him? Like, what are we doing differently? Like, this is a series where if Rudy is as good as a lot of us think he is and the Jazz think he is and he thinks he is, like, he just needs to have a huge series. This is a marquee matchup. It's not an easy one. I mean, uh, Jokic has freaking had insane numbers this whole year against him. Um, but for me, it's just like Rudy Gobert has has earned the, like, objective criteria that qualify him for a supermax contract. And, like, this is a series where he needs to come. All this stuff has been said about him and gone on during the pandemic he had the whole coronavirus thing um and this is just like a chance for him to be like no i'm i'm an awesome player and i'm gonna go against one of the very best players in the world and show my value and i'm stoked for that yeah i'm also really excited for this matchup um i was listening to dave block he's the play-by-play radio announcer for the jazz for the listeners who may not know and he was podcasting and talking about this matchup as a preview to the series between Jokic and Gobert and said that last year um, Jokic said in an interview 
he said at like after he had had a super rough game against um the jazz he said yeah Derek favors is just a really bad matchup for me and like insinuating the fact that it's not rudy that it was Derek. so throwing a little shade yeah. at rudy and kind of his his defensive prowess and so i'm just excited i i think it's an awesome matchup if if Jokic can hit from three, then that'll pull Rudy out, which really opens up the Jazz defense, which isn't good. But if the Jazz can plug up the middle and Jokic isn't hitting from deep, then it, I mean, it's the complete opposite result. So, yeah, I totally. I thought, I, I mean, I, the stat I saw the, uh, that I thought was interesting, I mean, Jokic is averaging, like, he had like a 30 20. 10 game or something like at one point in the season against them but in the minutes that they're on the floor the jazz are actually like plus three or something with with rudy and so they he's had big games kind of offensively and even though Jokic has gotten big numbers the jazz as a whole have have hung in there that said they've lost all three games uh this season which is kind of weird i think before this season the jazz were like in the in the rudy uh joker matchup were like eight and three I think. Um, and, but I saw another thing that I liked two stats that kind of jumped out Riley Geisman, I think uh, put these out on Twitter, but one was in the entirety of all the minutes they've played together. Um, Rudy versus uh, Jokic. It's like Rudy's plus one. So it's super close. And in the last two seasons, I think the point differential between um, all seven games or whatever it ended up being was like, six points. So like these guys play each other really close. Um, personally, if like the ref decides that Jokic can't take nine pivots in the paint and get uh, 12 in the key, I think uh, Rudy can hold his own a little bit more in the clutch. <laughs> did you, did you see that one in the bubble? Close game. Jokic was awesome in the fourth quarter and Rudy kind of had a crappy fourth quarter, but then like at the end, Jokic goes in and literally pivots eight times in the paint and then scores. And it's like, what a move. And it's like, Dude was there for nine seconds, but whatever. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that one. Um, but okay, I want to piggyback off your first point. So I'm I'm really excited for three different matchups. Um, maybe the last one's gonna surprise you, but you already said Rudy versus the Joker, so I'm stoked for that. I'm I'm excited. There's so much smoke, at least in, on Twitter, of Donovan Mitchell versus Tory Craig, which before this week, I didn't even know it was a thing. But um, all of the defense, <laughs> de- uh, I guess defensively, and there are a bunch of, like, Tony Jones from The Athletic was is on the record talking about it, and David Locke's been talking about it. Just kind of how, I mean, Torrey Craig's totally defensive-minded, and how he's been Donovan Mitchell's pseudo-kryptonite in certain situations. Um, so I'm excited for that matchup, and I'm also excited for Michael Porter Jr. versus Joe Ingles. And oh. let, let me explain. Yeah. Um, Please. So I, just is this my, because Michael Porter Jr. is a coronavirus denier, and Joe Ingles has been early and often speaking about how we should be serious about this? Are you talking about like the political slash health slash sort of <laughs> like overall societal debates between the two in in the pre and post game interviews or you're actually talking about on the court um that could definitely be a part of it in the future but i'm i'm saying on the court because in six years when michael porter jr is a top top 15 top 20 player in the league when he's healthy and 
awesome. And Joe Ingles is retired with three kids in Adelaide, Australia. We're going to talk about the fact that Joe Ingles just totally schooled Michael Porter Jr. in this series. That's what I'm going to say. It's, it's one of my bold things I'm saying. Um, I like it because guess what, Doug? I feel like right now, if you want to sound like a smart basketball person, you're just like, you know who's really good? Michael Porter Jr. I just feel like people keep talking about him all the time. He's really good. I get it. But guess what? He's never done. Played like more than eight games. I mean, that's an exaggeration. He played the whole bubble. But he he's never played in the playoffs. And like, guess who has? Joseph Howarth Ingles. And we all know what he did to Paul George two years ago. And uh, I like it. I think the Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan, the Michael Porter hype train is a little like picking up a little more steam than I like. He's really good. He's one of the scary things about um, this matchup. And maybe this is where you're going. I'll shut up and let you keep going there. But I do think the fact that he he maybe takes minutes away from Torrey Craig uh, is a good thing for the Jazz. So my point is Michael Porter Jr.'s defense. His offense is amazing. But um, I was listening to a couple different podcasts. And kind of the thing that everyone talks about in the scene, just watching him play and some Twitter breakdown that other people have done, is that his defense is is really slow and he's just not used to NBA speed. Not saying that Joe Ingles is is fast in any sense of the word, but um, it just showed him getting shut down on just by like routine screens. So the pick and roll with Rudy screening Michael Porter Jr. and Joe Ingles just blowing past him, I I can see it happening and it's going to be beautiful. Um, I mean, he the guy went from playing in high school to he's played two games and now he's been in the bubble. So, I mean, his defense yeah. really, he hasn't had any time to learn play defense in the NBA. So his, I'm excited. I, he's fun on offense, but I'm excited to see him get worse. Yeah. Quick aside, like who wins in a foot race? You or Joe Ingles right now today. Do you think you could take him? <laughs> I don't know. Depends you're running that dog every morning. You're you're looking as felt as you have since you were in high school. Um, here's the thing: My, Michael Porter Jr. could be a huge factor in this series, and he's he's scary to the Jazz for this reason. I mean, I think before you would have thought you thought about this Nuggets team, where I did, as super deep, super athletic, really long, and Jokic is a great facilitator, but they only really had kind of Jokic and Jamal Murray as playmakers and maybe a little bit Paul Millsap in the past, but it feels like he's kind of at a different stage of his career. And so he's this third guy who can create his own shot. And in the playoffs, having as many of those as you can is valuable. And maybe here's a pivot to another one of the, one of my topics, or maybe we'll put in a, a pin in this because I, I do want to talk Donovan and Torrey Craig, but the jazz are down one of those. Um, you know, a dude who can create his own shot and score. And in fact, as of right now, um, or as of this morning, the Jazz will be down two of those because Mike Conley's wife uh, has gone into labor. So congrats to Mike and Mary, I believe is her name. Um, but the Jazz are going to be without yep. Bojan Bogdanovich, obviously, who was the second leading scorer in the season and, and probably the second best offensive creator. And also without Mike, who was kind of the third and was the one who was supposed to be kind of the picking up the slack and the scoring. So Michael Porter Jr. is like the bump up for the nugget, the nuggets and creativity. And we just got minus one. How's that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, that was also my second point as to who will be the second and third scorers with Boyan gone and, and the announcement of Mike this, this morning. Um, 
Tony Jones was saying on Twitter that he's been talking about it all month, but I didn't even know this was a potential thing to happen. So I was caught off guard. Obviously, I mean, you, you like all props to my like family first. And I think that's awesome. Um, what? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been on the radar, but I think she, her due date was actually like end of August. So the thought was like more that probably he would miss the second round if they made it or the end of the first round. So it's good for them. I mean, uh, Joe Ingle's wife, Renee, is also um, expecting uh, to go into labor like sometime in the next few weeks. So it's just something that Jazz are juggling. Um, but we'll come back to the Donovan and Tori Craig thing then. And let's talk about this. What do, you, what do you think, Doug, this does to the rotation? Because I think there is some thought that this means Moutier comes in and plays more backup point guard minutes. Um, but I personally kind of think, you know, in the sort of tank fest that the Jazz were doing to avoid, avoid the Rockets, they were also just playing a bunch of dudes and trying to figure out combinations. And I kind of think Donovan's just going to play the point more. Jordan Clarkson's going to play more, and already they're relying on him a lot. Joe Ingles will play point guard kind of with the with the second unit. And I think they're going to play Mieone more, and he's going to come in as kind of a 3 and D guy. Um, we talked about this on our last pod. He's kind of like a low usage but potentially high-impact person, kind of another Royce out there. I think he plays more. What do you think? Do you think Moutier comes in, or how do you think they're going to make up for Mike? I think definitely some more Moutier minutes, and and I'm – Honestly, I think it's going to be a lot more just Donovan Mitchell usage too. Um, I, th- I I think he's just going to have a, the ball a lot more, and I, I'm excited to see some Miami minutes. I think really, I mean, the whole Tank Fest was just to get other people time for this potential of like someone being injured or just these bad guys in the end of the roster getting more confidence, and you could really see that at the end of the last couple games. So I don't know. I, I think it really like big picture is going to be probably Donovan shooting and taking time with the ball. Like you said, playing point um, and, and some Moody minutes here or there, but I, I think it's going to be Donovan really just taking more action. Yeah. I, and that maybe that pivots back to Donovan and Tory Craig. I think, look, going back to Donovan Mitchell versus Tory Craig, I think there is plenty of data to show that he has had the most success guarding Donovan Mitchell of any human being in the NBA. I mean, he's like, I think in the first matchup they played in um, like 16 minutes of time on the court together, Donovan didn't score. Um, and then overall in the season, he's shooting something like 20%, um, I think from three and not not much north of that from the field when he's been guarded by Torrey Craig. And then when Torrey Craig fouled out at the la- end of the last game, that was kind of to your other point about Michael Porter Jr. He was kind of guarding him, and that's when Donovan went off and was incredible. And I, I, my observation, stats aside, was I felt like Donovan in the last game, in the bubble, was getting the shots that he wanted more and that he just missed a lot of early shots. Torrey Craig definitely makes it harder on him. He's long and quick but and then i felt like we've seen donovan do this other times where i mean that was extreme like flamethrower edition in the last couple minutes of the fourth and in the overtimes but where he just kind of catches on fire at the end and that's one of the things that makes him special is he can just not be great for three quarters and then still you know sort of summon that but my my theory is while this is a tough matchup 
he's a scorer and he's going to find ways to score and Quinn's going to find ways to get him buckets. And in a seven game series, I think, I think he's going to be fine. And I don't think the Tory Craig thing's going to be, um, it's not going to be Joe Howarth Ingles guarding Paul George from two years ago. I, I honestly think he's going to figure it out. I'll do have this thing, Doug, and sorry to be going long winded here, but I have a little bit of a theory and I don't want to be controversial here, but that, you know, Donovan had COVID um, for some period of time right before one of the last games was the Nuggets. He looked fatigued to me. And then earlier in the season when they played, he, he ended up sitting out like two games later because he had the flu. So I also just think he kind of wasn't 100% in either of those games, not to make excuses. Yeah, I I think that's that could be the case too. In, in any rate, I think it's just going to be fun. And I think that uh, the Jazz have Quinn Snyder. I mean, Mike Malone's a great coach too, but I think Quinn will figure out if, if it's not working, if if Donovan's really struggling against Torrey Craig, Quinn will figure ways out. The Jazz's offense is so fast-paced. They'll be moving around. They'll be cutting, screening, um, getting switches so that Donovan can find a way to get a bucket. So, I, I mean, the, the Donovan versus Torrey Craig thing is fun, but I think, like you said, in the end, um, he's a scorer, and, and they'll figure it out for sure. And if not, I mean... It'll be a short series. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you said on, on the fast pace thing is interesting too, because I mean, in a traditional pace sense, the Jazz have been a slow team for a couple of years, but in the bubble in particular, they are trying way more to get early offense and get shots up early. And especially in the Nuggets game for three and a half quarters, I thought they did. And they got, they're looking for early threes and they, I think they set the franchise record for three point attempts that game and shot something like 52 um, obviously, it went to double overtime, but a lot of it came in the first three and a half quarters when the offense was was really flowing. Oh, do you think it's going to keep up? I'm a little like there's been such an emphasis on that that like without Bogey, how how are the Jazz going to score in the half court? So let's get the offense going and get shots up early. But it, t- it seems like teams slow down in the playoffs. Do you think they're going to keep that up, um, or do you think it's going to be? I mean, Donovan in particular, for as dynamic and athletic as he is is kind of like a get the ball and walk it up the court guy. Yeah, that um, that's a good question. I wonder also, and like the game of the pace, or the pace in the game, I wonder if just kind of the game by game pace will affect it as well. Because usually I wonder if the, the playoffs are a little bit slower because you're playing so many games and you're really getting to know the other team. Um, but you're like, you're playing two games home, then you travel play a couple games on the road you know like there's a lot more of a process and isn't i mean correct me if i'm wrong i haven't looked at the schedule today but aren't there games just almost like every other day isn't that how the playoff yeah it's pretty much every other day right so i mean it's a faster playoff um scheme in a sense and they'll just be playing faster I don't know, or maybe that will make them want to rest. Yeah, what's your that? So I think there's a couple of ways I've been thinking about this, and there there's one sort of aspect to this bubble thing that makes me think like, oh, there's going to be closer series because there's no home court advantage, and so this could lead to a lot of six and seven game series, or like it feels like there's a lot of times in a normal playoff series where a team gets up 2-0 at home. And then and then the fact that they go on the road and the other team like gets that like high energy game three and they win that and that kind of prolongs the series. I feel like it's really also possible that a lot of these just on a neutral site could just be quicker 
because the team that's maybe not as good is not going to steal one or two at home. Um, that said, I don't feel like there's very lopsided matchups in the West. And I feel like almost every series um, is kind of close. And I think this is this one's maybe the closest. But I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think yeah, we'll can we touch on this? Yeah, let's touch on it. Touch on whatever you want. Oh, though. well, I was just going to say. We own this room. Other than, I mean, yeah, other than the, I really wanted to be the Suns and the Trailblazers. That would have been more fun just because the Suns were 8 now, and the Grizzlies just, like, limped their way into the 8-9 playing game. But just looking at all the matchups, too, I know this is a Jazz Nuggets preview, but I'm I'm just stoked about all the matchups. I think Thunder Rockets, it sucks that Westbrook is injured and... I don't know the real stat. I mean, we're not Rockets fans, obviously. But I, so I don't know his, <laughs> his like, day-to-day status. But it sucks that he's injured because it's, I mean, Thunder Rockets is going to be fun. I think Clippers Mavs is going to be exciting. And, of course, um, we For need sure. some Dame time. And that's, that's our hope is the um, – they can pull that out against the Lakers. Shout out to Weber State University. Yeah, it's fine to talk about Dame on our on a jazz preview podcast because all I've been listening on on repeat to Dame's song Wasatch Front, Dame Dalla, from when he was at Weber State talking about wanting to play for Jerry Sloan and the Jazz. So he's like he's like jazz, like honorary jazz degree type of a thing, you know. You get an honorary PhD yeah. or something. Um so we'll always accept him because uh, he went to Weber State. But yeah, no, I think they're all. I think they're all fun matchups uh, for sure. Well, what else? Did you have anything else on your list of stuff that like you're really looking forward to or wondering about for this series? Yeah, well, um, we kind of talked about it a bit, but um, I'm just excited to see. I think, especially with Mike Conley out, and um, I mean, we slightly talked about this, but I think the bench is going to be huge. And like you said, in Jazz Twitter and maybe in media in general, people have given the Jazz some crap for um, maybe potentially losing games on purpose or at least just not playing the starters. But I think a big part of that was, one, I think the offseason is going to be really short, and I guess there's not going to be a summer league is what I've heard. Um, so they need to evaluate their their lower bench talent. But I'm just excited. I think that um, the Jazz's bench is going to be really big to if if they're winning games it's because the bench is going to be coming in the clutch um so i'm excited to another see way yes yeah i think you just that that was a fair like intro to the thesis of what's the scariest thing about this series is that the bench could matter more um uh, cuz right. i do think look the, the jazz starting five which wasn't a unit that played more than like 12 minutes or something in the actual regular season together because of injuries um, the Jazz starting five with uh, Donovan, Mike, Royce, Joe Ingles, and Rudy was like plus thirty-two, and then the and but it turns out the Jazz were two and five. In the, <laughs> I mean, they didn't even, uh, because of rest, a few of them didn't even play in those games. So the bench really struggled, but it did feel like um, some guys made pro- made progress in the last few games, and I I felt like the rotation actually in the Denver game was a nice preview of what, what it's going to maybe look like with me, Aone being the first guy off the bench. Um, and with, uh, Brantley seeing some time. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I think like, I think this series a lot like for 
like in large part turns on the two best players of each team. And that's what makes it so fun for me. It's like, can Donovan Rudy do it at this level? And can they do it against Jamal Murray and, and the Joker? But the Jazz need to manufacture points without Bogey and especially without Mike. And so can they get it off of the bench? I mean, George Niang's going to have to shoot. And if he can't shoot well, he probably can't play a lot of minutes. And I'm, I, But I think he's got to. And I think he will. He shot really well the last few games in the bubble. Um, but do you think – do you think Juwan Morgan or Drill Brantley will will play a factor in this? I, I honestly, I mean, Juwan Morgan um, is the next biggest guy on the team that's getting minutes too. Uh, I guess there's Tony Bradley, of course. Um, but I think Juwan Morgan's been really fun, and Jarrell Brantley has also been fun. Um, I mean. You know I've been on the Drell Brantley bandwagon for a long time. So I think I think in the dire straits, one of those guys, and I mean, and those those three didn't get major minutes during the season, um, a lot of DNPs. So I, I'm I'm excited to see um one of those three, Mie One, Brantley, or um Juwan Morgan is gonna have a big a big game or a big moment in, a, in the fourth quarter. That's, that's my pseudo prediction. That's kind of an easy thing to say though, I guess cause three people, but um, you got to have, I, I think we're going to see something big there. Yeah. What that? No, I said, you got a hedge. It makes sense. I, like my prediction is one of the people on the bench at some point has a good fourth quarter. How about that? Yeah. I think if we're going back to your <laughs> Just... like all-star break, um, you, your, your bet was on, uh, gorgeous George Niang 20-point game in the playoffs, wasn't it? That's true. We need it to happen. Listen, Doug, everybody was killing my guy, Gorgeous George, after like the third game of the bubble, and I tweeted, look, George makes four threes tomorrow against the Nuggets, and he came out and made three in the first two quarters, and you know, I was I was running around Twitter rubbing it in people's faces. He never made it to the fourth, but um, still, he shot really well since then. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk more about this Mike thing because it this does this is part of the what I'm curious about your thoughts on is things like what this series means in the big picture for the Jazz. I feel like we had a lot of big picture questions or at least two or three coming into the bubble that are still part of the you know the broader um landscape for the Jazz and and one of them is does this Mike Conley thing on the Jazz work and it's a bummer because the Nuggets is one of the teams he's had the most success against. Um, and he has been in a better rhythm in the bubble. Every game he's actually played and like played over 30 minutes, he's had over, over 20 points and he's shooting better. Um, but like, I, let's say he misses two games and comes back. I mean, what do you need to see? I guess, what are your, like, we both think, I think that this is going to be a competitive series and that the jazz can be competitive against the other teams in the West right now. Um, but like without Bogdanovich and with him coming and going, what, what are you looking for? Like, is, is anything that happens here going to move the needle for you in a long, like a long-term direction, like in, in terms of trying to assess out if Donovan and Rudy can continue to play together well, if Mike makes sense here, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good question. Good thing to talk about. Um, honestly, well, okay, so this is my prime, like, 
high level if 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 and when it comes back and however many games he's able to play in the playoffs do you remember when i of course you remember but um i don't even remember the year jazz are in the playoffs and um derek fisher's daughter has to get surgery so he misses a game and then comes halfway through hits a couple hits a three right away and then is just big late in the fourth quarter of course you mean when they played the We Believe Warriors that everybody like history seems to remember as the We Believe Warriors actually winning the series when the Jazz won four one, just because just because right. Baron Davis dunked on Andre Karolinko once. I remember. Right. I mean, they did beat. They were the eight seed beating the one seed Mavs, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Whatever. Um, but that was probably one of. I mean, other than our guy Joe Johnson, I mean, that was one of the top Jazz moments. Just so cool. I mean, Derek Fisher comes in halfway through. I think ceiling Mike Conley is him coming through halfway through the series and just just balling out, playing awesome. Do you think the NBA is going to like do something funky with his quarantine to make something like that happen? They're going to be like, actually, you flew in at at one fifty five p.m., so we're going to hold you until one fifty five p.m. Wednesday, which makes him show up for the last two minutes of the fourth quarter because the Jazz are playing, like, the True TV breakfast at Wimbledon schedule and playing all their games at, like, 8 in the morning. Um, that'd be <laughs> kind of fun. And then Mike walks in and just makes it three at the end. And they, like, have his his daughter, uh, like, his newborn baby as one of the virtual fans. I don't know. Um, Doug, we got a question here um, from – from the room can i so we touched on this a little earlier but not not totally and i think it's a really good question and it relates to the mic thing how big of a role does moody have in this series um i think i said before kind of like i to me he's definitely going to get on the floor and have minutes and and he played a lot earlier in the season especially before getting jordan clarkson and when mike was hurt but i think I think they're going to bring Mieone off the bench and just play more Donovan and Joe Ingles at the point guard. But uh, what do you think, Doug? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when when Mike was out in the past this season, it was when Moody got a lot of his minutes and was getting some good run. I think, was that December, January? Yeah, Um, I mean, he, he was a big part of the stretch of games where the Jazz won 19 of 21. Um, and along with Jordan Clarkson was like the only, so you're right. It was after Jordan came back, but Mike was hurt and he was part of the bench mob and, and the jazz are have it like the worst transition offense in the NBA. And that's like Moody's biggest strength is getting the ball and running and getting into the paint. Yeah. The, the question is, ex, has expanded a little bit. Um, Carl, yeah. I think, I think Mitchell is just on the ball a ton. Um, Oni or Tucker first. That's actually a good thing. We have not even mentioned Rajon Tucker's name, who has been kind of the bench all-star. It's kind of hard with Rajon Tucker. Which I apologize to because he's been getting in feuds with people on Twitter who write about the team. So we should just say all respect to my guy, Rajon. Yeah, yeah. We're all on Rajon Tucker's bandwagon. But um, the tough thing for him, I guess, just in the big, big perspective, minutes-wise, is just being behind Donovan um mike joe also plays the point guard and um jordan clarkson's and he's kind of like that slasher score in the paint type guy that um all those can do as well um so he's gotten huge minutes when they've been playing the bench in the second half of games and in the couple games where they played the whole time 
So that was actually interesting. Do they do they bank on more Rajon Tucker minutes or Emmanuel Mudiay minutes? I don't know. What do you think about that, Mark? I, I hadn't even thought about so that. So yeah, it's also it's also a good question because he his best game was the last game of the bubble against the Spurs. But but so when the Jazz came into the bubble, Mudiay was was the first guy who kind of got the opportunity as the first person off the bench after Jordan with uh, Bogey out. And those first couple games, it was just rough because when he's out there, not as the primary ball handler, he, they just completely ignored him when he stood at the three-point line and he wasn't willing to shoot. So after a couple of games, Quinn went with Tucker first. He was kind of, he was kind of filling that role. Um, Zach Lowe wrote an article about this on ESPN.com too. That was really good a few days ago, but Tucker also is kind of a reluctant three-point shooter and he did, he shot him more the last couple of games, but they went to Oney on the, sort of in the beginning with that Denver game, I think he played quite a bit the game before against the um, Mavs. But I think, I think it's going to be him. And I think it's just going to be because he is Doug, the, the most natural off ball player of those. I think Rajon Tucker, who was like, you know, the best player in the G league, just is used to having the ball in his hands a lot and sort of driving and creating. And I think, even without Mike, with Joe and uh, Donovan, they're going to just have the ball in their hands most of the time. And having me a off ball, that said, I think that's for sure going to be the case when Mike is there. So if he's back for like game three, when Mike is gone, I, I think there's a real good chance that both Moutier and Tucker could could get minutes. Yeah. But I feel yeah, like I the order is going to be uh, between- Oni, Moutier, Tucker. But- that's kind of my prediction. Yeah. I would probably go with that too, where where Tucker and Moody are pretty split. But I think with or without Mike Mieoni's going to get get the most run. I also think Donovan's going to play a ton. Like I, I think one thing in maybe this is wrong because they are playing every other game. But I think without the travel um, and with the sort of disparity on the bench, that Rudy and Donovan are going to play. 40 minutes. And and what's tough is I think if Mike was there, I don't think there would be a second of the game where neither he or Donovan would be on. And now they are going to be, um, yeah, I, I'm going back to the comments. I am like, I want to temper everything I said on Oni. I mean, he's a rookie and he played at Yale before. So it's, you know, it's been a big jump, but I actually just think he, of all these guys, and we got a lot kind of a long look at all of them in the last couple of games, um, I just think he looks th- like he makes the most sense in a, in a specific role that they need right now. Um, Rajon Tucker might end up being a better NBA player. I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. And I think Moutier is a good NBA player in a specific role. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, if that's needed here. But I, I think Oni is just, he's kind of one of those dudes, at least has the potential to be a plug and play three and D guy. And he's, he's seemed willing um, to shoot and shot well in the bubble. So I am I'm high I am high on his sort of playoff potential. Yep. Um I I mean I I think the same as what you just said. This is turned <laughs> into a Mieone like po- po- is this the Mieone playoff preview podcast that's kind of what Man, do we need to get like Mieone tattooed <laughs> on our chest or something? Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean he's definitely the best player from Yale the Jazz have ever had. That that's true. He might be the best player from the Ivy League if we're really 
I'm excited for all the stuff when he does play where they talk about him being in the Ivy League. You know, that that's one thing, Doug, I haven't spent enough time thinking about is like the classic like things that you get from the national broadcast because there's not a lot of jazz national broadcasts during the season. And so like, you know, the old school when Matt Harping played where it was always like, you know, you know, Marv being like, you know, Rich, uh, Matt Harping was a football player. And uh, maybe Mione going to Yale is going to be in that kind of category. You know, Ronnie Brewer broke his elbow when he was four. You know, that that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell played baseball. I wonder who we get being like these like 8.30 a.m. Eastern. No, these like, I think most of the games start around 10.30 or 11 Pacific time, which is what I'm. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I don't know, like we're going to get like the TNTC team. But... Right. Yeah. Um Charles and Chuck, Kenny and Ernie, they, I don't think they're they're up and at the studio. Are they even going to be awake at that time? Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the Wait, – I just want one Doris Burke game, Doug. I want one Doris Burke game and one Stan Van Gundy game. That's all I want. Right. Aren't they ESPN, though? Yeah. Or are they TNT? Uh, yeah. So that's – yeah, I agree. That's what I want, too. Um, yeah. But wasn't it – um, the first game back in the bubble was on TNT and um, Shaq was like late to the broadcast or something. Yeah. Did, you, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Other big pictures coming from the bubble. Um, I, oh, yeah. Is... Like, look, I, it's Rudy and Donovan, Doug. Like, do you think we're going to get, do you think, to me, the, the biggest thing, regardless of who else is playing, is they're in a series and in a series, where you know the other team isn't like perfectly designed to to kind of neutralize one of them um these dudes are the are the franchise cornerstones mike was supposed to help put them over the hump a little bit and bogey was too but at the end of the day like you know the best teams in the nba are as good as their best couple players and the ones that are real contenders have top 10 if not top five players uh do you think we're in a you know will we that so in my opinion that's the main thing we're going to learn here is has Donovan made a leap or made progress um, in a playoff setting? And can Rudy have the kind of regular season impact that he has against a team like this? Um, And I want to say, yes, that's what I want to say for sure. Okay, good. (laughs) One thing that I was going to say in my earlier question of who the second and third, maybe even fourth scores are going to be is I think we're going to see a lot of um, Rudy scoring on offense, especially with I mean, um, Mike and Rudy had been working pick and roll pretty well, but with Joe being probably the second point guard now, um, I think Rudy is going to see a lot of pick and roll. It's going to be, and going back to my prior Michael Porter Jr. Um, point, it's going to be how the Jazz totally isolated Mello on defense, the Thunder two years ago. They're going to do Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, they hunted him. And it's just going to be, pick and roll city and i think that i'm gonna say in a in a majority of the games however many games i think we both said jazz and seven so i'm gonna say in four of the seven games rudy will either be the second or third leading scorer what do you think about that i like that as a prediction i mean in the game they played last week or whenever it was he i think he had 22 points through like three and a half quarters and then he kind of didn't do as much offensively towards the end of the game. 
But I, I've just, I have liked the pick and roll adjustments they've made. They've kind of slowed things down a little bit. I've also liked the sets where they run with him kind of just sitting in the dunker spot and not even doing the pick and kind of being like like the Clint Capella type of a thing. And uh, right. I think they've they've just done such a better job than they did earlier in the season at getting him the ball above the rim. I, I, I think Mike Conley's looked more comfortable with the lob passes, as has Donovan, and they've just been looking for him more. I think Donovan's just been really taking the facilitation thing seriously. And so without Mike, that's going to be – really important i mean he's he's has the ability to make really special passes but you know one of the things that's been an adjustment for him is is the on-court vision and i'm excited to see how it goes here i I think you're right though that sort of the the way the nuggets play him i think rudy can can be getting in the 20 point range uh each game against these guys the free yeah. throw shooting for him is going to be huge Um, he's actually shot it really well in the in the bubble so that that's going to be a big deal yeah he's been pretty awesome uh, um, especially in the Pelicans game, because those were two game-winning free throws, and that was really good. Yeah. All right, do you have any more? Yeah. We, we said we were going to talk about three points, I guess, that we were looking for. Is, do, you, do you have any more um, things that you're looking for in, the, in this first series? No, we covered my three, which were, which were Rudy versus Joker, um, Tory Craig, and his effect on Donovan Mitchell, and filling in for Mike. Um, I guess my just summation of this before we go to the other thing, or maybe maybe that's going to be part of it. Those are my three things. What what did you have? Did you did we miss anything on your list? Nope. Yeah, my three things were I was excited about three matchups. It was Tory Craig um, versus Donovan, Rudy versus Jokic, and Joe versus Michael Porter Jr. Um, and then I was I'm excited, wondering who will be um, the second and third scorers with Mike out, and then. Um, my third point was if the bench and kind of the experiment of the bubble of getting the bench players time, if that's going to pay off or not. And I think it's going to pay off, but yeah. um, I don't know. Those are my three points and we hit them all. Cool. So did you want to do a one minute sales pitch for why you think the series is going to go the way it's going to go? Is that, is that the last thing you want to do? Yeah, kind of my, my dark horse reason, um, my maybe under-the-radar thought on why the Jazz win the series. So Okay, let's hear it. I've already sprinkled it in throughout the past 45 minutes, but I'm going to say the Jazz win the series because Joe Ingles gets it for the Jazz. Um and I'm, I'm saying this as Joe Ingles like is leaving behind his two kids, his wife that's pregnant, all for the bubble. He talked about at the beginning how it was really hard for him to um, to be dialed in. Like the first couple games were rough for Joe, and he just didn't look that great. But I think Joe Ingles goes out. He's going to crush the pick and roll, and he's going to be hot from three. And I think he's going to be – the key factor to the Jazz beating the Nuggets. That's my hot take. Dude, I like it because guess what? Um, he did struggle the first couple games, and then kind of from that Grizzlies game on when he went into full Joe Ingles, I'm a Greek god mode, um, and was shooting 40-footers just to put away a team that was desperately fighting to get into the playoffs. He's been really good. He's been shooting earlier. I think I think his playmaking in the pick and roll has been really good. Um, I like it. I, I know I think I – think, 
he's had a bit big impact in the playoffs for them ever since he's been here. Um, I think it, I'm just going to make the prediction that, that we're going to be sitting around a table somewhere in 10 years uh, watching a jazz game. And we're going to laugh at the fact at how great Michael Porter Jr. is and how much Joe Ingles schooled him in the 2020 bubble playoff series. That's what I'm going to say. I'm in. Here's my thing. Can I give you my one thing on Michael Porter Jr. besides the fact that he makes um, weird politically questionable statements that aren't backed by science? Um, I think his shot's a little weird looking. You know me, like I, I like I want to be like a like I'm a Rudy Gobert fan, right? So I want to be like a I, I care about the stats, not the, and the end result thing more than how it looks. But for how athletic he is and how big of an X factor he is for them. And when he shoots a three, I'm like not very nervous about it. It's kind of weird looking. He's kind of like off kilter. I don't know. Just my thing. Um, like if he's shooting a three at the end of the ga- game in like a tight game six or seven, I just that weird looking shot. I, I'm just not scared of it. That's my irrational t- take on him. Here's what I am scared about then though, Doug, before I give you my, my sort of co- close to closing thoughts. Um, Nikola Jokic is really good. I mean, he is really, really good. He touches the ball more than any player. Uh, I heard that set, like he gets like ninety eight touches a game. Like his usage is higher than anybody else as a center. Um, yeah, even even James Harden. Yeah, he it feels like he's gaining a little bit of that weight back in the bubble, which makes me nervous. <laughs> I like skinny. I like the skinnier he is, the less scary he is to me for some reason. Um, he's really good, and he could be the best player in the series. And he's and he's the type that does sort of raise the performance of others. Um. So that makes me nervous. Michael Porter Jr.'s athleticism makes me nervous. Um, Jamal Murray um, being like feeling a little bit of weight off his shoulder because Donovan had an embarrassing Instagram live experience that's more recent than Jamal Murray's embarrassing Instagram live experience uh, might make him play better. I thought that was fun. Anyways. Um, but no, I didn't even see that. We can catch up about it later. Um, but like I'm confident because of Quinn. Um, Mike Malone's a fine coach. Mr. Malone's okay. Um, I just think in the ever since Quinn's been there, he's had playoff schemes that have put his team in a, in a position to succeed. Um, like you said, with the Thunder a couple of years ago, they just they just basically drove Carmelo out of the league for a little bit, and good for him that he made it, it back um, and he's and he's playing well. But I I think one of the misnomers was that last year that the jazz scheme wasn't working because especially after the first game or two defensively, they actually played in a way that really limited James Harden and the jazz just missed a million open threes. I mean, they shot historically bad to the point that they went off in the off season and basically did everything they could to address that one aspect. And unfortunately Bogdanovich and Conley, uh, the two main things to do that um, aren't going to be here for the beginning of this series. Um, and bogey at all. Um, but I just think Quinn schematically is going to get him in a spot. And I do think this is, this is a series where Rudy and Donovan have to have to come out and be like, Hey, we're, we're all stars now. We're max level players. Um, yeah, Jamal Murray and, and Jokic are good, but this is a matchup where our two best players are positioned to succeed. I think, um, and I just think they will. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be seven, probably. If if this was a normal non-bubble series, I would for sure say this is a seven-game series where probably it goes like 
two, two, one, 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 and then we see what happens in seven. Um, it's going to be weird without the home court advantage uh, to see how it goes. I mean, that's the only reason I think it might go faster. But I think it's going to be six or seven. And um, I just think the small amount more of playoff chops that the Jazz have is going to is going to pay off. I like it. I think one thing that neither of us has even talked about is the fact that the Nuggets are going to hand the Jazz this series just because they traded us Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. That's right. Um, so this is there's a lot of good karma in this series. Like this goes back. One of my favorite Jazz playoff memories is when the the Darren Williams Jazz were playing Carmelo Anthony's Jazz, and like these people in Denver took out an ad in Utah for every, every game that was in Utah. That was like at the end was, it was all like Carmelo Anthony's face, like rising above the mountains. And at the end it said brought for you by the Carmelo Anthony fans of Salt Lake city or something like that. And, I remember and, that. You know, I remember and the that. jazz won that. And then since then it's like, you know, the curse of the Bambino or something. It's like the jazz, you know, they traded Donovan and Rudy on draft day to the jazz. So um, thanks Denver. Um, and you know, Hopefully it's the gift that keeps giving. Right. Well, I mean, just really quick. I mean, who is our last revenge playoff series? And it was Joe Ingles versus the Clippers where Joe Johnson just saved all of our hearts and forever enshrined himself into our memory and love of the jazz. Um, And Joe Ingles just showed up and played awesome against the Clippers, the team that um, almost took him and then didn't take him. Then the jazz obviously signed him. Um, And so... Can we get Joe Jesus on a 10-day to come fill in I, with no bogey? Man, he looks like so good in the, go. in the three. In in the big three? League. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should get him. I don't know. I, I think we probably could. I'm sure he's already in quarantine right now, just waiting. But I guess part of the reason I'm nervous, too, is that we spent so much of this podcast talking about Mieone and uh, that I actually would be excited if there was, like, a Woj bomb that says the Jazz signed Joe Johnson right now. So our, our bench <laughs> does make me a little nervous. Yeah, um, that would be nuts. I is that even like possible? Can they still sign him? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, it should be, frankly. I mean, as an honorary member of the Jazz and honorary member of... The fact that he was on them for a playoff run, I feel like they should have, have dibs. Yeah, but um, yeah, just as the Jazz channel in Joe versus the Clippers, it's going to be Donovan and Rudy versus the Nuggets. That's that's my that's my last hot take. Cool. Do you think though? How important do you think it is that the Jazz um, steal one of these first couple games with Mike gone? Oh man, I think it's huge. It, I mean, it. I mean, it's really just. It's going to be interesting to see because so I was reading on Twitter. And so if Mike is gone for less than a week and he's tested every day, these are the stipulations. Um, So he can't be gone for more than seven days and he has to be tested every day. Then he only has to quarantine for four days. Um, A la Lou Williams, who we've seen. Shouldn't he get like less of a time than (laughs) Lou Williams? I mean, good grief. Like. Going to get wings at a gentleman's club seems like that should be a longer quarantine than going to. Well, I think Lou Williams ended up getting more time. I might be wrong, but <laughs> no, four well, days though. The breakdown, so like, be... say he's say he's gone five days and then he has to sit four days. Is that going to be whole series almost? I, 
I don't even know. Is yeah, it a two-week gonna... span for seven games? Yeah, I'm just pulling up the actual schedule and looking at calendars. So, like, assuming he left today, he comes back, like, on the on the 20th, and then that's another four days. Like, he could be back. Uh, you know, there's a game Sunday, August 23rd, or Tuesday, August 25th. So, it sounds – I mean, it seems very likely he could miss – at least the first three games, if not four. Which is why it's going to be really fun to hear Stan Van Gundy talk about Miona playing in Yale so, at Yale so much. It's going to be great. Right. <laughs> yep, I agree. Yeah, but I do think in, in terms of getting okay. one of the first two games, I think it's huge just because I think not having game three on your home court is going to put a heck of a lot of pressure on game three. So I just think they steal one of these first two. I think the way they played last time they played, I think game one's going to be – going to be really fun and going to say a lot i agree i think it's going to be a mental grind honestly to to play a series because just as we alluded to earlier normal series where you're playing on the road and then playing at home it's kind of like a fresh start once you get back home like it doesn't matter if you drop the first two games you're going home if, if you're the away team i guess um and in this one it's really it really could just pile on and there could just be continual momentum so the jazz can capture that momentum um get get an early w maybe even the first one um i think that would go a long ways so really this this game early game tomorrow is going to say a lot yeah look man the the main reason i i do think rudy gobert is going to have a really impactful series uh, and and the battle with him and Jokic is going to be really really fun but, you know, two years ago, there were two games where Donovan Mitchell scored 22 points in a single quarter playing against a team with a former MVP. Two different teams. And I just feel like this is going to be a big run for him. Um, I don't know. But here's my last, you know, Doug, we normally end our podcast with our and one segment, which is kind of a wonky thing. Tomorrow's game starts at 1130 a.m. Mountain Time. That's 1030 Pacific for me. Um, what are you eating while you're watching this thing? Are you having like a scone? Or is, are you brunching at this? Do you have a frittata? Um, are you eating lunch at this point? Ah, good grief. An early lunch, maybe. Um, I have this little stand that my computer sits on at work, and I'm going to have my phone just slightly underneath so that if anyone walks past, they can't see that I'm watching the game, but um, I can still have perfect vision of the screen on my phone. Um, so <laughs> It's going to be fun. I don't know. I'm thinking really like going full good. breakfast at Wimbledon. I'm going to have like strawberries or something waiting for this uh this weird start time but it's been a long haul to get here um i think you know we we've said just having the first game back having donovan pastorudi who got fouled and made two two free throws to win a game after all the all the stuff that they went through um was awesome and without bogdanovich and maybe without conley it, it all kind of is icing on the cake at the same time for once, Doug, the seeding gods smiled upon us, and for the first time in, the, in like twenty years, the Jazz are in the non one four five eight side of the bracket. For the first time in as long as we can remember, I mean, I was literally going to write a blog post about how playing the Rockets was like the movie Palm Springs, um, and like other playoff, like this one was going to be Eurovision because it's just, just pure fun for me. I think this is going to be a fun one. This was them playing was one of the funnest games of the regular season. Um, so I'm stoked, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of things to look forward to. And, um, I, I'm just excited. I think there's a lot of different storylines that are going to play out and 
it's just fun. I mean, in the end, it's fun, right? But, so that's what it's supposed to be, at least. <laughs> yeah, jazz, like... jazz and Seven, uh, Skinny Joker can go, go on vacation and gain back some weight before December. Right, go play some tennis with Novak Djokovic or something. <laughs> That's right. And, All right, man. Well, this is fun. Thanks to thanks to those who joined. Thanks for the questions, and uh, we'll uh, try to do something similar throughout the playoffs. All we have to say is go Jazz. That's it. Go Jazz. Boom. This was uh, this was the first live podcast for twos and threes. Boom. <laughs>